This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. No Leah Hextall today. She is preparing for her broadcasting play-by-play of the Flames and the Golden Knights on Sportsnet on Sunday. Congratulations to her. That's a pretty cool gig. And I'll be watching at home because that will be up on the uh, dish for sure uh, with the uh, NHL center ice package. So definitely check that out. Big game, too, Flames. Uh, and the Golden Knights coming up on Sunday, so we're very happy uh, for her. A couple of things we need to get out of the way before we start talking about the games from last night. Very interesting contests, for sure. But the general manager's meetings going down in Florida, and a couple of news items coming from there. You kind of knew it was going to happen, and I'm glad that it did. They're going to tweak the offside, allow a skate to be in the air. And the biggest reason that I like this is because this will cut down on the length of reviews because I believe that the reason they went as long as they did was you're trying to figure out was his skate on the ice was it off the ice the depth perception and sometimes you just couldn't get the angle to determine it hey you're on sides right your 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 foot is on the other side of the blue line regardless of whether it's up in the air or not I know there were safety issues you don't want skates in the air and we saw what happened last night between the Islanders and the Canadians with Lekkinen, uh getting um, Boychuk in the face with his skate but very little, almost no chance of it really happening in that area. That's always going to happen in the corners. That's going to happen in front of the net. It's not going to happen on a play when a player is trying to get uh, across the blue line. So I'm glad they tweaked that. Um, so I think that's a good thing moving forward. And also, that likely the salary cap is going to go up from $84 million to $88.2. That's pretty significant, over $4 million for teams to be able to play with with free agency. That's pretty significant. It also tells you the growth of the sport, right? When uh, they put in the CBA, the cap would grow when revenues grew. So for it to be able to go up that much tells you that the finances are good. And you go back to the original lockout when the salary cap was somewhere in the $50 million range, and now we're talking about it being close to $90 million. It just shows you the health of the league as far as the finance is concerned are moving in the right direction. So let's let's dive into the games from last night, some pretty important ones for sure. And let's start with that Canadians game against the Islanders over in Brooklyn. Not really sure what's going on with the Islanders right now. They've been kind of pedestrian and they need to be careful. You know, right now they're tied with Columbus with 78 points. They've got the first wild card because they played fewer games than Columbus. They played 65 games to Columbus is 67 and they've caught the break because of Carolina's goaltending situation, but they the Carolina's only, you know, 3 points back with 75. You know, the Rangers, they've got 74. They've lost 3 in a row. The loss of Kreider and Shesterkin's really coming to a head and the Rangers' schedule has been tough. We've discussed that, but the Islanders need to be careful. No reason to get blown out by the Canadians 6 to 2. Six different goal scorers uh, for Montreal in this one and as we mentioned, the Lekkinen skate to Boychuk's face, pretty ugly if you look at the video, but it looks like Boychuk is going to be okay. As I mentioned, Rangers dropped their third in a row, loose to the Blues, 3-1. to I thought the Rangers played much better than they did in the two games against Philadelphia. The better team just won this game. St. Louis is really good. I mean, honestly, you could talk all you want about how they were dead last in January of last year. They have put anything to rest as far as them being a fluke. And when they get Tarasenko back, This is just a scary, scary good team. They're right there with Boston and Tampa, among the best teams in the NHL. I think they're above Tampa right now, and that'd be something if we get another um, Blues-Bruins Stanley Cup final. But I think Boston, 
is good. The Blues are right there. And, you know, Colorado could be right there as well, but I've seen the Blues twice live against the Rangers, watched them all the time on TV. Scary, scary good team. Uh, Bennington is is as advertised. He's now 6-0 and in his last six starts. Microscopic goal against average under a goal and a half. He's got two shutouts, just one goal last night. They can they can clamp down with the D. Uh, they lose uh, Jay Bomeister. They don't blink. They go out and, and they get Scandella. He fits right into what they're trying to do. So that Blues team is ever dangerous. Penguins finally end their six-game losing streak. They beat up on the Senators 7-3. Brian Russ gets a hat trick. Crosby is 14th goal. Got to beat the Sens. I mean, you look at the Sens, you look at the Red Wings, you look at the Devils, teams that are at the bottom of the league. You got to beat those teams if you want to make the playoffs. And, you know, the Penguins don't want to throw their hat uh, or, or, or waste an opportunity to still win this division. I mean, they're right there. All the talk's been around Philadelphia and how good they've been, and Philadelphia is going to play Washington tonight. That's going to be a colossally good game on NBC Sportsnet tonight. Um, but, you know, the Penguins want to stay in that whole rodeo, and they got to beat the Senators in order to do that. Uh, one of the biggest games of the night, the Bruins and the Lightning. You know, the scary thing about Boston, and we know that they can score. You know, Pasternak is a stud. Marshan got his 28th goal of the year last night. A very underrated player in Jake DeBrusque scores his 19th. Um, Charlie Coyle has been great for them. That was a deadline deal from last year. But defensively, what a great job. And I know you're playing without Stamkos if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, but they muster just 21 shots on goal. And they really, really did a great job of just clamping down, protecting that lead in the third as – only seven shots on goal uh, for Tampa. Now, listen, Boston just forgot about offense. They only got four shots on goal in that third period, but they understood the importance of it. Now have a nine-point bulge in that division, so it looks like Tampa's going to have to settle for that um, that second spot and just make sure they can hold on to that second spot to make sure they have home ice in the first round of the playoffs. I can't imagine what the Nashville Predators were thinking. Uh, taking the ice against Minnesota, knowing the devastation that they left behind in Nashville. Uh, the death toll at the recording of this is 25 people, 40 buildings tumbled to the ground with those tornadoes. And you just look at the devastation down there. And, you know, I'm sure the Predators' hearts and minds were just not on the game. Minnesota certainly took advantage of that with the three to one wins to the wild right there for a playoff spot. Nashville needs to be careful. Uh, Fiala has been really good, uh, for this, uh, Minnesota team scored his 21st goal of the season. Zach Parisi very quietly having a terrific season. Despite the age of 35, he's got 24 goals on the year. So Minnesota looking very dangerous. Jets got a game that they need to have against the Buffalo Sabres 3-1. I thought the Sabres played well. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets just a better team. Uh, Blackhawks along with the Rangers both played game number 6,500 in their NHL career. And the Blackhawks on life support needed to win and beat up on the Ducks at home by the final score of 6-2 to two, as Chicago trying to keep their brief um, or slim playoff hopes alive as Dylan Strom ended up picking up three points in that victory against the Ducks. So Chicago, uh, it'll take a Hail Mary, but a good job out of them to get a win. Uh, Oilers, what what a tremendous 48 hours for them. I mean, they go put up an eight spot against Nashville, then go to Dallas, and then they're in a dogfight where the offense isn't there. Uh, Dreisaitl, McDavid quieted down in this one. The Stars did a great job to contain those players. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Oilers end up getting the extra point as they win the game in overtime. 2-1, to one. they scored the first goal of the game. Great feed from Nurse 
as uh, he finds Nugent Hopkins for his 20th goal of the year. Drysaddle did get a point in that one. 65 assists now for Drysaddle, 108 points. Klingberg scores on the power play midway through the third period to tie it, but it's Alex Chason who wins it in overtime. So that's a good four points in two days uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. Golden Knights roll over the Devils, 3-0. New Jersey playing game four of their four-game Western swing as um, Robin Leonard gets the shutout for the Golden Knights. And and how about the Sharks? They put up a five-spot, beat the Toronto Maple Leafs by the final score uh, of 5-2. to two. The Leafs had tied this after um, getting off to a slow start. Um, Evander Kane uh, gave, made it one nothing, and then Austin Matthews scores his 46. Marner ties the game at 2 uh, in the latter stages of the second period. So you had a 2-2 tie going into the third period, and then three unanswered goals for the Sharks, including a second for Evander Kane, his 24th of the year. So uh, Toronto... I still think they're making the playoffs, but it's getting scary now. It really is. Let's take a look at that Atlantic Division. Boston, as I mentioned, now nine-point bulge over Tampa. Toronto's in third place with 78 points. So they've got to be careful. Like, who can be next to to, to get them? That's the problem is, is that you take a look at that um, division in the Atlantic, and there really isn't that fourth best team that they have to worry about. You know, Toronto's got 78 points. That's five more than Florida. And Florida does have a game in hand. So if they win the game in hand, it could really get down to three. So Florida could be dangerous. And I get a lot of people asking me who's going to make the playoffs in the East with the, with the wild card. And, and you look at the Islanders, Columbus, Carolina, the Rangers, and the Panthers, right? Of those five teams that I mentioned, two of those five teams are getting in. So Carolina, goaltending mess. We're still a week away from Marazic coming back. Rangers, still no word on when Shesterkin's going to come back or Kreider coming back. And the Rangers' schedule is just amazingly tough the rest of the way. I think they only play four teams right now left on their schedule that are on the outside looking in for the playoffs. New Jersey, who are they already lost to this year. Buffalo, who are they already lost to this year, right? Arizona, who they already lost to this year. And Arizona could be a playoff team by the time they play them next week. And then the final game of the season against Chicago. But those aren't pushovers by any stretch. And all the other teams that they have left, three games against Pittsburgh, another game against Washington, Dallas, Colorado, a lot of really good teams that the Rangers have to play. Actually have Washington twice on the schedule. So think about that. Five of their last 16 games will be against Pittsburgh and Washington, two of the best teams in the Metropolitan Division. So there sits Florida. And their schedule's not that hard. All right, If Bobrovsky can wake up, Florida could be that team that slides in and takes advantage of of the weaknesses that Columbus and the Islanders have, the two teams that are actually in the playoffs. You know, Columbus devastated by injury. They had that huge win with the four goals against Vancouver, but their goal differential is at minus four. Uh, The only team in this conversation that actually has a minus goal differential. So I think Toronto kind of gets thrown in there, too, because if Florida makes a move and then Toronto drops down to the wild card, they can be in trouble. They've played only 500 hockey so far over the last 10 games. And taking a look at the schedule for Toronto, which I think becomes important, they've got to go out west. So... You know, they've, they were in San Jose for that game. They lost that game. They've got back-to-back games against the Ducks and the Kings. Kings up first on Thursday, Ducks on Friday. Now, both of those teams are out of it, but we've seen how pesky both can be. Uh, uh, even a great team would just be fortunate to get three in those two. Then they come home for Tampa, Nashville, out to Boston. Then they've got 
They'll have a large effect on the Metropolitan Division because they'll have a homestand with the Devils, Islanders, Blue Jackets, and then the Panthers. And then they hit the road at the end of the month, Tampa, Carolina back-to-back, at Ottawa, and then at Mont- at Washington. And then they close out the season, um, two home games against Detroit and Montreal. So their schedule's not crazy bad. So I think Toronto is still going to make it. But uh, as far as any chance of getting any home ice advantage, it's not going to happen. And that's been the problem with Toronto in recent years of making the playoffs. Well, the biggest problem has been they've always had to face Boston, and that's been a bad matchup for them. But the other problem is not having home ice advantage, and it doesn't look like they're going to get a chance at that home ice advantage again. Now you go out to the uh, Western Conference, and we mentioned the win for Edmonton. That puts them just two points back of Vegas for first in the Pacific Division with a game in hand. So three wins in a row for Edmonton. Calgary has actually been able to pick up points in six of their last ten. They've slid the third place, and now it really opens up for the wild card. Vancouver, 74 points. Winnipeg, 74 points. But again, Winnipeg's problem is three more games played than Vancouver, two more get more games played than Minnesota. Minnesota's just a point back. Nashville's sitting pretty, just two points back with two games in hand on Winnipeg. So it's going to be open. Arizona, we've talked about this before, 67 games for them. That's a lot with 72 points, but they're still alive. And if you still have faith in Chicago, well, Chicago sits with 68 points. Chicago is six points back of Winnipeg with two games in hand, Winnipeg having the last wild card spot. So I guess you could say that Chicago is still alive, although probably on a respirator. All right, limited games tonight, but still, I think, an interesting schedule. And the best game, of course, is going to be that NBC Sportsnet game at 7 o'clock Eastern. The Flyers at the Washington Capitals. The Metropolitan Division completely up for grabs now that Philadelphia has this six-game winning streak. They sit three points back of Washington. Both teams have played 65 games. Um, the RW wins are in favor of Washington, so as of right now, they would still have the tiebreaker, but a chance if Philadelphia can get the win tonight in regulation can sit just one point back of Washington for first place. But just to solidify home ice advantage for Philadelphia would be huge because they had just been unstoppable at Wells Fargo Center. Big game for the Blue Jackets. They continue their Western Canadian swing in Calgary against the Flames. That's an 8.30 start. Ducks and the Avalanche. The Avalanche seen if they can't catch the St. Louis Blue. Huge game for the Coyotes and the Canucks. That's a big game in the race for the wild card in the Western Conference at 1030. So there's four games, and at least three of those four just huge in the playoff standings. All right, let's hear from you. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Uh, Richard says, hey, Don and Leah, sorry uh, that Leah's not here today. Where will Hank be in October? And Hank, of course, we're talking about the New York Rangers. And I also think, and Leah will appreciate this, I'll text her and let her know, the hashtag we love Wednesday with Leah. <laughs> I think that's terrific. So good job out of you, Richard, and also doing the hashtag game is conduct as well. This is the $64,000 question, right? I, I'm really starting to lean towards that he's not going to be anywhere in October. I can tell you he's not going to be a Ranger. I don't think they're going to trade Georgiev. I don't think, um, they're going to keep him on the roster to be the backup goaltender. So, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't think it's going to be a Ranger. I don't think it might be in the league. He may end up uh, retiring. Uh, Troy says, which trade deadline sellers are looking to be the most dangerous for next season? Uh, that's a good question. Dangerous for next season because there were a lot of sellers down the stretch. I, I still think the Kings are a little ways away. Certainly Detroit. 
uh, years away. Uh, New Jersey, I don't think that they're going to be dangerous really anytime soon either. Um, so when you look at the sellers, San Jose, I think they're they're trending downward. Maybe Anaheim. Uh, Anaheim looked I, – I, honestly, that is such a tremendous question, Troy, of the sellers. Maybe Montreal, although I really don't see them turning the corner anytime soon either. And we'll see what kind of major changes they made. They do have cap space. So I'll say the Canadians just because with the cap space, if they can sign some free agents, stay healthy. They do have a world-class goaltender, I guess I'll say. Uh, Montreal. Aaron says, while it appears Boston is running away with the President's Trophy, they only have one, two more wins than a few teams. Also, Rangers have the mo- the same or more wins than six teams ahead of them in the standings. Do you think the overtime loser point is a good thing? No other sport has it. Well, the reason no other sport has it is because you know basketball and football score a lot of points, right? So Hockey ends up in the same territory as baseball. The lower the score, the more of a chance there is going to be a tie. Baseball, because of the nature of it, you can go out there and play 16, 17 innings and still play the next day. The NHL just does not want to sit there and be like the the, the playoffs where you're playing a six-overtime game and then that team's got to travel to another city and play the next night. So you had to find a way to be able to shorten the points, and everybody freaked out about the ties. I have no problem with ties. You know, ties, uh, I think are the better way to go. And, and now that we are looking at there being so much parity that is it fair that overtime and the shootout get to decide who's the better team, not just in that game, but it could also determine who's the better team in the standings. Now the league's trying to change that by not just going with the row win, but also going with the RW win, weighing more importance to winning games in the first 60 minutes of the contest, winning in regulation, but still. I mean, you make a great point. The New York Rangers right now are four points out of a playoff spot. But yet, they've got 35 wins. 30 of their wins came in regulation. So that's five more than Carolina, who's ahead of them, right? That's six more than Columbus, who's ahead of them. Six more than the Islanders, who are ahead of them. You know, the same as Toronto, who's ahead of them. It's it's incredible that they've got actually just, when you look at the wins, Thirty not Tampa's got thirty nine or thirty three regulation wins to the Rangers thirty, and yet the difference is is Tampa's got eighty seven points and the Rangers have seventy four. So getting those extra points are important, but do you get rid of it and then just have because there's so much parity? You can have a team maybe with twenty twenty five ties at the end of the year. I don't think the league would be happy about that either. So to answer your question, Aaron, I think it, it's still a good thing. Um, and you change what you can change by weighing the tiebreakers in favor of the teams that win in the first 60 minutes. David says, with Montreal announcing that Claude Julien is going to return next season, how much did the temperature of the hot seat go up? I get the sense if the Canadians have another lackluster season, he won't make it to the end of next year. Your thoughts? Absolutely. I, I think he is definitely someone that if they say lose six or seven of their first ten games next year, he is going to be out. I, I think Bergevin's the guy that you got to look at as a possible change. And if that were to happen, then that would definitely put Julian on the hot seat because the new general manager would not be the guy that hired him. I think there's some major changes happening there. Have they drafted well? The answer is no. Have they made good trades? The answer is no. There's a lot of problems there uh, with Montreal that I think go beyond uh, the fact 
that the coaching isn't great. Tom says, hi, Don. As always, you're doing a great job with your play-by-play. Have there been any new players this season whose name has taken some practice? If I had to guess, was Shesterkin at the top of the list? Yes, uh, Shesterkin at the top of the list. Uh, uh, Merz Leakins of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Elvis, of course, has been uh, a, na- a tough name that I'd had to do. Um, Nakish, um, or Nikish, I think I'm saying his name right, from the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Another number, uh, another name that I had to do. Those are the ones that kind of uh, really jump to mind um forever th says in your opinion who has the most obnoxious fan base in the nhl wow you're gonna get me in trouble here obnoxious fan base in the nhl the fact that it's taking me so long to answer um makes it uh difficult because i'm not really sure I'm trying to think of the fans that used to always get on me when i was doing nhl live we would take calls from fans who always used to complain but i can't really think of too many I think the Canadian fans uh, have really been humbled since they haven't won since 1993. How can Toronto fans be obnoxious? Their team hasn't won since 1967. Um, I find Ranger fans to be good, but working for them, I'm not exactly going to get abused by them. Um, I've never had the problem with the Flyer fans that some people have. I've, I've taken my wife to Flyer games with the Canadian jersey, and she hasn't been abused. So that's a tough one for TH. Nothing really leaps to mind. I'd love to be able to get your opinion on who you think are the most obnoxious. Um Haywood WTM says, curious if the rinks play well, with uh, no fan base due to the coronavirus would be better if game was canceled. Good point. Um, I know the NHL did mention during the general manager's meetings, and, and Gary Bettman talked about it as well, that they're trying to be prepared for the playoffs. Uh, there's a Swedish league that isn't playing in front of no fans because in Sweden they already came up with a rule that you can't conjugate with more than a 1,000 people in one place, and um, I think that could end up being the case. I, I, there's probably no scenario in which you can really cancel these games, right? If there was ever the outbreak to the point where certain states or cities said, we don't want people gathering by more than a few hundred, and you're in the playoffs, can't cancel those games and kind of wait for the virus to disappear. It could be a long time before that happens. Um, I think they would probably have to play in front of empty arenas because you're still getting the television money. The games still have to be played. It would hurt financially, but I think it would work worse to cancel games. And if it does happen, it's probably going to happen in the playoffs because we're already down to the final month of the regular season. Uh, Chris says, hey, Don, many Flyer fans, including myself, are surprised A.V. is starting Brian Elliott tonight in what is possibly the most important game of the season. Hart starts tomorrow. What do you think is the reason for the decision? Well, A.V.'s pretty astute when it comes to who should play and who shouldn't. Carter Hart's played quite a bit uh, down the stretch of the season here. Uh, the Flyers have a home game against the Carolina Hurricanes, so... I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know the matchups off the top of my head. If Hart's got better numbers against Carolina than Elliott does, I think the statement pretty much is the case where both games are at home. All right. So I would like Hart to play against the tougher team because he's going to have to learn how to play in these big moments. But there must be some number, some analytics to tell you that's the better way to go. But he could also look at it. Yeah, winning the division would be great, but right now you want to just make sure that you're, you know, battling to stay in that position. If they finish in second place and get home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs, AV and everybody with the Philadelphia Flyers are going to take it. But there must be some analytical reason 
why you would do that. Because to me, Carter Hart's my guy. Carter Hart's going to be playing in every big game. Carter Hart is a guy that is going to be playing in the postseason. This is a postseason atmosphere type of game, right? I mean, this is the type of game, oh, excuse me, that game is in Washington, not Philadelphia, excuse me. So maybe it just comes down to that, that you know, Elliott may be a little bit more experienced on the road because he's more experienced overall. Um, get the home game, but I don't know. I can talk myself into circles, but not knowing the analytics, I, I have to really go over the numbers to see. But knowing how much analytics plays in a lot of decisions, there must be something in the matchup where Elliott just matches up better with Washington and Carter Hart matches up better in Carolina. That has to be it. But right now, I'm the way that Hart is playing, I'd ride the horse, right? Maybe they just feel uncomfortable playing him in both games. But um, I, I like the fact that uh, he would be playing in Washington. AV and Philadelphia know something different. I guess you just have to live with that. All right, g- good luck to Leah. Um, hopefully you'll get a chance to watch on Sunday. Flames, Vegas, and that'll be our... Leah Hextall having a chance to call the play-by-play for Sportsnet. So if you got the NHL Sunday ticket or you're listening up in Canada, definitely take a look at that game. She does a great job, and I'm really looking forward. I have never heard her do play-by-play before, so I'm really looking forward uh, to that opportunity to, to check that out. All right, back with you again on Friday. We'll, of course, recap all the games from Wednesday and Thursday. We will have the top five of the week as well. If you want to get in touch with me, the best way to do that, hashtag Game Misconduct. Enjoy all the hockey, everybody. Back with you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York. And worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.